Welcome to the Grace Fellowship Church of Ephrata podcast. Our desire is to help you grow in your journey with Jesus, no matter where you are. For more information, please check out our website at www.gfchurch.net. Good morning. My name is R. Joe, and I'm one of the elders here at the church at Grace. And we certainly want to welcome all of you to share in fellowship this morning around his precious word. Appreciate your being here. And uh, we're counted a real privilege to be able to share the word in the absence of our pastor who is enjoying a vacation. And I'm sure he's going to listen in to what's going on at his church. So uh, you all be on your good behavior. Okay? All right. No problem. All right. Uh, I would like for you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians chapter 2. The pastor is in a study on the book of Philippians, and uh, I'm working in that chapter this week, and Brother Steve will be working that direction next week as well. So um, I'd like for you to look at the first few verses of Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one mind or being of one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider yourself others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only on your own interest, but also on the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equal, equally with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God hath highly exalted him to the highest place, and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. As we ponder these words this morning, I'd like to remind you that the book of Philippians is a, a, one, of a, one of the prison epistles. Paul was in prison at this point, writing a letter to the Philippian believers. And um, it is, as Pastor mentioned last week, it is a book of joy. That's the total opposite of what we might think when we think of being in prison. And uh, may I remind you, too, that the prisons in that day were not like our prisons today. We could go into our prisons today and you will find a TV, you will find a lounge, uh, you will find three square meals a day provided, uh, clothing provided. None of that was present for those that were in jail and in prison during the Roman days. So Paul is in prison and yet he has a tremendous joy. And uh, our happiness today should not depend on what happens to us, 
but our joy should be based upon what takes place in us. Not happens with us, but what takes place in us. The transformation that takes place when we put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That should give us our joy. Circumstances are based upon things that happen to us, and that brings happiness. But joy is based upon a relationship with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So God extends to us his grace. And grace, I always like to define it with an acrostic of that word, and it is grace is simply God's riches at Christ's expense. And so God gives us his grace, which is a fantastic gift from God Almighty, when, he re- when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Note how I said that, that when we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. It is more important than just a, a humiliated Jesus who died for you and died for me on the cross and giving us this gift of grace, but it is a coronated Jesus who calls you and I to repentance. Now, we don't hear a lot of preaching today about the word repent, but we will find this morning that repentance is very, very necessary in our walk with the Lord. And... Uh, In Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and 5, it says, Except you repent, you shall what? What was that? Perish. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So salvation involves repentance. And repentance is turning and going in the other direction. Going in a different direction completely. And this is very, very essential for our salvation. You see, my salvation and yours is based upon an exalted Christ. Not the Christ who hung on the cross because he had not yet been exalted. Not the Christ that died in the tomb. He had not yet been exalted. But he came out of that tomb some three days later and later was exalted to the very right hand of God the Father. And we worship that God, okay? And uh, my salvation is based upon that. We see in verse 9 something of great interest. It says, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. So we see here the source of his exaltation. God gave him the exalted position. He is there today. And then there is a title that was given to him. And then we find that over in verse 11. And every tongue acknowledges that Jesus Christ is Lord. That is his name. That is above every name. So it is more than just Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord. There are those that teach today that you can receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and then later you can make him your Lord. That's not biblical. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's impossible for us to receive Jesus Christ and not have him the Lord of our life. And we see that being stated here very plainly. Now let's look at me, look at, if you will, at the first point on the outline, and that's in your bulletin. 
Um, and uh, we see here in verse 10 and 11, it says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is where we want, we want to camp out for the next few moments, looking at this chapter and looking at the results of what was taking place in the early part of the chapter. And that is we could simply put what we've just read into one word, and that is worship. Worship. You see, we have a hard time defining what worship is. We can look at, say, well, worship is singing, or worship is giving testimony, or worship is reading the Word of God. But it's more than that. It's recognizing Jesus Christ as our Lord. We worship Him in that way. I want you to note something there in verse 10, and that is that the very first word of verse 10 is that, that. And as I think about that, I am reminded that this indicates a purpose or a result. That indicates a purpose or a result. And he has given a name that is above every name in order that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That's a result of his new name. And the reason for him being given that name was to put him in authority. Much more than just being Jesus Christ, as he walked upon the earth, we knew him as Jesus, but he is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Jesus, that name of Jesus is, is one thing, but I want you to note something. It says here that at the name of Jesus, in, in verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. It does not say that at the name Jesus. It says at the name of Jesus. It doesn't just say that at the name Jesus. And the name of Jesus, according to verse 11, is Lord. He is Lord. Now, what is a person that is Lord over us. He's in charge of us. He's in charge of our being. He's in charge of our going in and going, coming out and doing this and doing that. And that is really what salvation is all about. That is the, why he, that is the reason why he came to die on the earth, on, on, the, on the cross. His humiliation leads to his exaltation. He was humiliated on the cross he was humiliated when he walked from the courthouse to the courtroom to the cross. He was humiliated when they hung him there on the cross and they stuck a spear into his side and, and they cried out, you, you raised others from the dead. Why can't you raise yourself? Pull yourself over the cross. It was humiliation. But his humiliation led him to his exaltation. Now, in Romans 10, verse 13, we find a passage that says, and you all believe this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. 
Is that what it says? It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's impossible for us to be saved if we don't recognize him as Lord. As Lord. You know what, fear, what, what brings great fear into my life as I think about the church, the body of Christ, and fundamental churches such as this here and all of us scattered throughout the, Europe, the world, and especially here in the U.S.? What, what brings great fear to me is that there are many, many people sitting in pews across America today that know a lot about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus as Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10 says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That I might know him. We make him Lord of our life. I want to kind of back into this uh, whole discussion of Lord, uh, kind of go in the back door. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. And I want us to look at a couple of verses in verse 21, beginning there in verse 21. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them very plainly, I never knew you. Away with you. Away from me. Who are they calling? Who are they addressing here? Not Jesus. Lord. He is the Lord. And, and Jesus is saying, those false people that think they're Christians, address him and say, did we not do many marvelous miracles in your name? And we called you Lord, Lord. And he says, depart from me. I don't know you. So we are to worship him in response to his exaltation. That's how we ought to be worshiping our Lord. And first of all, the word of God tells us that we are to bow our knees. It says that. Every knee should bow in verse 10. Every knee will bow. In fact, from the Greek, we find that that simply means it is implied we, every knee must bow. We won't have a choice, saved or unsaved. Everybody will bow their knee to Jesus, the Lord of our salvation. Not, not, they will not have a choice. They must bow. And then it goes on to say in verse 11, every tongue should confess or acknowledge. These two phrases are taken from the book of Isaiah 45 and verse 23. And we're not going to go back there this morning, but I would encourage you to do that. Isaiah 45 verse 23. Because it says in the context of that verse, which is not speaking about Jesus back in Isaiah, but rather it's talking about the sovereignty and the majesty of the Lord God. And he uses the same terms 
in that passage referring to the, the majesty of the Lord God that he is using for the majesty of Jesus who is Lord. He is Lord. Jesus is our Lord. That is the name that he bears in exaltation. We don't only take a gift from a humiliated Savior, but we bow our knee to a sovereign God who has received his coronation. He is coronated as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, our Lord, is our salvation. In Philippians 2 and verse 10, the whole intelligent universe is called upon to worship him. It says that in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Wow. Didn't miss anything. Now we say, well, who in the world is, is that? Well, who is in heaven today? Have any ideas? Who's in heaven? Saints. Who else? Angels. Who else? God. Jesus. The Lord. The spirits of people. They're all in heaven. If we were to go back to Revelation chapter 4, and we won't, but if we were to go back because of time, if we were to go back to Revelation chapter 4, you would discover that there is non-angelic worship continually going on, on and on and on and on in the first few verses of Revelation chapter 4. And then we get over to Revelation 4 and look at verse 9, and we'll see there where the elders representing the entire redeemed body of Christians, redeemed saints, the elders are there at the, at the altar giving praise to the throne room of God, continually worshiping God. And uh, what a picture. What a picture of what's going on in heaven today. And it says there that every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Now, what about the earth? Every knee is going to bow on earth. That kind of gets down to where we are, doesn't it? Of those on earth, referring to us. We bow our knee in submission to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We bow our knees to Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. We are the ones who follow Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Listen closely. You all know this verse. That if you shall confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. If we confess that Jesus is Lord, we shall be saved. So our salvation is not based just on the person of Jesus Christ. Our salvation is based upon his exaltation, and that is he is our Savior. He is Jesus Christ, the Lord. Now my question to you is, is he the Lord of your life? 
In other words, I'm really asking you, are you saved? Because you can't receive Jesus and then later make him Lord. He's not going to come in that way. He has to come in as Jesus Christ, the Lord, because of his exalted position today. So he is the Lord. He is the sovereign ruler of the universe. Every tongue, it says, oh, every tongue will confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, who's that? Are we talking about physical tongue? No, not at all. What we're talking about is every human language. Every tongue, every human language. Every angelic language. All peoples. Every tongue, every person will confess or acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's tremendous. And as I ponder that, we need to go to the second point of my outline this morning, and that is the purpose of his exaltation. Why was he exalted? You know, it says there in the latter part of verse 11, to the glory of God the Father. When the Son is given glory, so also is the Father. He who honors the Son honors the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. I want to look back to the book of John, if you will, for just a moment. John chapter 5. And it says in John 5 and verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So, what we see here is the mystery of the Trinity. How does that work? You see, there's so much that we believe by faith about the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of that that we can't comprehend and can't understand because we have a finite mind and God has an infinite mind. The God, the Father is glorified when the Son is glorified. I have a little saying on my desk at home and it says this, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him. You see, God wants to be glorified in us. And as we walk in obedience to him, declaring him the Lord of our life, we bring glory to the Son, and the glory that the Son has is also the glory that the Father has. 
I don't understand that. I don't understand how God who created this planet and created all of the stars and the millions and millions of stars out there and he named every one of them, how in the world can he be excited about me getting saved? But he is. He is. And when he built this planet, he built everything to be exactly the way it would be for human life to live on it. Just think if God would turn gravity off for just one minute. And he could, because God created gravity. Suppose that God would just turn up gravity a little bit, and we wouldn't be able to lift our feet. He could stop everything. Think about it. You see, He's not calling on us to worship God through Jesus. That's not what God is asking us. He's calling on us to worship Jesus as God. Because he is God. Worship him as God. And this gives the Father glory. Do you understand that? You see, we understand that, but we have a hard time comprehending that. The gospel is, is that of humiliation and exaltation. Jesus was humiliated when he died on the cross and he was put into the grave, but then he was exalted when he came out of the grave, spent some time on this earth, and then he went to the right hand of the Father. He was exalted. Now, this all started, this conversation here in verses 9, 10, and 11, started back in the beginning of chapter 2. There in verse 2, which we read earlier, it says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one of one in spirit and purpose. You see, back way back there, it was God's desire through the Apostle Paul that we should be of the same mind. You know, it's sad what's happened to the body of Christ today. We have division upon division upon division. Everybody creates their own little church and they do their thing because they didn't agree with something else that was going on in another church. The body has been divided. And yet Paul is saying to us here in Philippians 2, verse 2, that we be of the same mind. And the reason we ought to be of the same mind is because we have the same Lord. We have the same Lord. He is calling for unity. But the path to unity is found in verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. He's calling on us to have humility. What was the problem back in the Garden of Eden? What was it? 
pride. Certainly wasn't humility. You see, there was a oneness before Adam and Eve decided to take of the fruit. And by the way, it wasn't an apple. It was a pear. The two under the tree. The pear. Okay. That was the problem. All right. It wasn't an apple. But how important it is that we understand that what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve was a failure to be united with the Lord. And they had pride. And when pride comes in, that brings, takes away humility and that destroys the body of Christ. So the way to having what God desires in our life is, number one, that we have humility. And Paul even goes on to say in verses 5 through 8 how to do that. Don't consider yourselves better than your brother. Don't look down upon somebody else as poor them. And look at me. I'm, I'm really something. They humbled themselves. We need to humble ourselves. And we will be exalted by God. Now, why would Paul... Put this in Philippians chapter 2. Why is that important? That we be humble? That we not consider ourselves proud? That we're better than somebody else? Why would he do that? Because he wants us to know that the same God who exalted a humbled Christ will also exalt a humble believer. You say, really? God's going to do that? Well, how do we become a humble believer? By recognizing him as Lord of our life. And I'll like to close with this one verse. And that is in James chapter 4 and verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. And guess what? He will exalt you. James tells us that if we will humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord, he will exalt you. So Christians, if you want that exaltation by God, then humble yourself. And Christians, none of us are any better than anybody else. We all came to the foot of the cross in the same way. And we desire and should desire to have him the Lord of our life. He's thus not my Savior. He is my Lord and Savior. Let's bow together. Father, we thank you for your precious word. And we ask, Lord, that you would cause us to realize the value of making him Lord at the moment of salvation. That when we ask you, Father, to come into our life as our Savior and Lord, that we actually do that and we allow you to take over our life so that one day as we are humbled in your presence, you will exalt us in eternity to follow. Lord, we thank you so much for your marvelous gift of salvation, for the grace that has been extended to us. 
And we ask now, Lord, that you would just challenge each one of us as we ponder the fact of Jesus being Lord, that we might commit ourselves in a new way to our walk with you. And we'll give you the praise and the thanks and the glory for it all. In your son's most precious name, I pray. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. If you would like prayer, you can send your prayer requests into prayer at gfchurch.net and we will pray for you. If you like this message, don't forget to subscribe on the podcast app, Google or Spotify. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to seeing you next week.